Ladies and gentlemen, fellas, 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 welcome back to the channel and the podcast. And it's that one dude for the week 12 NFL season, our second that one dude of the week, because we had a Thanksgiving edition where none other than the best play of the week is what I had him said as in the, the main video for Thanksgiving. And then obviously things get changed when the game gets canceled for the night game. But Amari Cooper, now he doesn't outperform Will Fuller, but at much lower ownership, half the ownership, he puts up 26 fantasy points. Or is our that one dude to the wide receiver position? We basically said just play 100% to Sean Watson across like everything we were doing. But we had a good week in terms of the Thanksgiving mini edition. A great slate, got cut short, but still a great slate in my opinion. And now we're on to the main slate on Wednesday. I'd like to apologize in advance for potentially if my face is in the video, at least the video version. If you're not listening to the audio version, no difference, but a little bit brighter. I'm using some travel lighting and some travel type of a kit as I'm still on travel for the holiday and I'll be back on Sunday. Unfortunately, we will not have a live stream tomorrow morning depending on when you're watching this it might already be Sunday for the main slate first time in two years now I don't not be having a Sunday because of just travel wise for the holiday Thanksgiving Sunday live stream but we will have the closing thoughts podcast on Sunday morning so be sure to check that out now what do we do here what does the that one do video maybe you're stumbling upon this because look it's just a little bit different than what else is going on in the industry the same old same old types of videos that the industry puts out for fantasy sports and for daily fantasy sports well that one dude is taking a look at a single player at every single position and then including a punt or multiple punts like last week and this week a little bit of a teaser, multiple pump plays this week to be looking at at each position that is going to be a little bit lower owned and provides nice leverage. Now that leverage might mean that they're going to be projecting out nicely or have a similar ceiling to some other players that are projecting out for similar points, similar ceilings, but they're going to be twice or three times his own because the public is jumping on them because of price point, because of just perceived matchup, because of narrative, whatever it might be. So our goal is to identify the guys who are going to be five, 6% owned, like Ezekiel Elliott last week, like Aaron Rodgers last week for guys that like Aaron Rodgers hit almost 30 fantasy points, Ezekiel Elliott over 20 fantasy points. Are that one dude at those positions decided to go off. Denzel Mims are that one dude punt position wide receiver $3,300 scores over 10 fantasy points. Those things are what we're trying to be looking for. And we're going to be nailing it at each position again this week for the NFL week 12. But before we get into it, hit the like and the subscribe, do all those things for me because look, 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 if you're trying to win the dollar Ruskies and get schmacked with the information right now and a double schmack into that one dude this week for the Thanksgiving week and now the Sunday main slate week 12, please do hit the like and subscribe because that, that fuels the channel a little bit. It allows it to grow, reach more people, makes this content that is very unique in the DFS industry. That one dude edition specifically reach more people and get more eyeballs on it which allows us to continue to be doing this and continue to innovate and find even more topics that a lot of people out there are going to enjoy have some other ideas moving forward for the final couple of weeks of the season and the playoffs and this video is sponsored by monkey knife fight have been a sponsor of my show now basically since march february right around there and they've been a fantastic support of the show appreciate respect everybody over at monkey knife fight now monkey knife fight is a player prop site more or less over under fantasy points things of that nature you can combine some together you can combine props together you play different types of game modes as well on monkey knife fight lots of stuff going on there so if you like player props and we have a player prop video that looks at the monkey knife fight lines that comes out friday afternoons at noon now this week it came out for thanksgiving it's going to be coming out at noons on friday afternoon every single week moving forward including the playoffs thanks to dylan bird so be sure to check that out again you can like and subscribe notify so you know when that video comes out but all that type of stuff you can check it out on the channel because it's just going to help you win even more money why not do that or you can just do the picks that you like play the players that you like to play to see if you have some sort of an edge if you have the game by game notes if you have the projections right now on patreon you can find that all linked down below you'll have a nice little advantage on these monkey knife fight props as well as just not dfs but those props as well so check it out if you use my last name vetri that is v-e-t-r-i you will be given free dollars because they say hey yo sal can you get somebody over here can you get some people over here to play this site of ours monkey knife fight fastest growing dfs site and we'll give them a little bit of bonus free money up to 50 bucks you put 10 in bam 10 back you want to put 37 in something random obscure you get 37 back so check it out promo code vetri v-e-t-r-i my last name gets you that bonus let's start off right now with the quarterback position and the quarterback position this week look i'm gonna be honest with you I'm not too worried about ownership at the quarterback position. In GBPs, I honestly don't care all that much about it. If a quarterback's going to be, more, more times than not, they're between like 5 and 15% on 15 usually being the high weeks. Now, let's just say 
Josh Allen or Patrick Mahomes this week, higher owned quarterbacks are going to be coming in at 10%, 12% ownership, somewhere around there. If I decide to full on game stack, which I do in every single one of my GPP lineups, unless it's a very small field, if I decide to go four to five players from a single game in that GPP, if the quarterback is going to be, let's just say 10% owned in those game stacks, it's going to be probably less than 1% owned in a lot of the fields. And even in the higher stakes where professionals are more keen to game stacking, more keen to it, you're probably going to see maybe two, three, 4% owned at most, which means that ownership in that lineup is already going to become a little bit more unique because of the full on game stack that most people in bigger field tournaments, large fields won't do. So although we are going to be giving you a lower owned option, what that basically says is that leverage at the quarterback position, you're leveraging stacks more so than the single quarterback ownership. So don't get too caught up in, oh, but my quarterback 7%, I can get a 3% owned quarterback. No, no, 7% for a quarterback is very low because you are pretty much understanding then that that stack, the full on game stack, four or five players from the game, is gonna be like one or 2% owned at most, depending on your contest, probably less than 1% owned the same exact stack you're using in a lot of them. So with that being said, yeah, I do like playing Patrick Williams this week. I do like playing Josh Allen. I assume they'll be my two highest or two of my highest owned quarterbacks this week. And I'm okay with that. I'm okay if they pick up 10 to 15% ownership because I know I can get unique within their stacks. But that being said, there's a quarterback that I do like in those games and on the opposite side of the game of Josh Allen in Justin Herbert. He's our that one dude at the quarterback position this week because Justin Herbert continues week in and week out to put up dominating performances in fantasy. Had another one, his second best performance of the season last week. And he is finally getting respected with his first $7,000 price tag of the entire season. Last week was his second best performance. Like I mentioned, he goes for 366 yards and three touchdowns. He adds 11 rushing yards on the ground as well. His only other better performance week seven against Jacksonville. And that's basically because he went off on the ground with 66 rushing yards and he ended up finding the end zone. But 366 passing yards is now a career high in his rookie season, but over 300 passing yards per game exactly now in the season per average is like 300.1. So barely over that, but he's been very good. You know, the stacking options. And now he's in this nice game environment as a slight underdog against Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills. Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills are going to be coming in with a defense that does force some pressure. Brian Balaga is expected back now, though, for Justin Herbert's offensive line. So it's going to be a major help. Now, what is Justin Herbert doing so far this year before we get into some of the obvious stacks? I've been projecting on Patreon right now, and the reason why he's a leverage for about 5%. The whole goal here is to find guys into single digit ownership, ideally 5% or less for the that one dude videos. Sometimes it gets to like seven or eight. Now, Justin Herbert at 5% on, you'd be damn sure that his game stacks and team stacks are going to be well less than 1% on. So ultimate leverage here, who so far this season has only gone under 21 and a half fantasy points once this season. That was week three against Carolina, where he goes for over 330 yards and he ends up posting 16 fantasy points because he only got in the end zone one time. Now, Herbert in this matchup against Buffalo's number three overall pass rush is going to have a negative 16% pass blocking advantage, but I do think that will be neutralized a little bit because of the fact that you're going to have Brian Balaga, the former Packer, now back on the offensive line. He's missed about a month and a half of the season or so. Now, I do like that we might get Austin Eckler back in this one, so keep a close eye on that. He has returned to practice, but he has not yet been activated off the IR. He'll have 21 days to do so from his first practice, but there's a chance that he comes back next week, but there's a even better chance he comes back this week, which just only adds more stacking options and more weapons in this offense for Herbert. Now, Herbert is averaging 39 attempts per game, basically tied for second in the NFL right now this season. He's averaging slightly over 300 yards per game, 7.7 yards per attempt, and 25 fantasy points per game is fifth amongst all quarterbacks in the NFL. And one reason why he's been very good, and the thing that the knock was out of college was when he faces pressure, he can fall apart, somewhat Jared Goff-esque, but this year, number six quarterback under pressure. Pressure in his face, a bad offensive line that has basically been banged up this year has not been an issue for Justin Herbert. So I do like Justin Herbert this week a good amount. Now, if we pull up from Patreon, you can find it linked down below for Patreon projections, rankings. The game by game notes this week are going to be 16 pages, projection rankings, values, super draft projections, as well as DraftKings, ownership projections for this slate, rankings. A lot of stuff is going out over there. Showdown information, patreon.com backslash Sal underscore Betsy underscore to check it all out. Now, as you can see on the screen right now, Justin Herbert, I project for 23.5 fantasy points. Now, out of all my quarterbacks, that is going to be my fourth highest projecting for a quarterback. Now, if we just factor this by point per dollar value, he's my fifth best point per dollar play, meaning that he's my fifth best bang for your buck quarterback. I have him as a B in cash and a B plus in GPPs. And the reason why he goes from a B in cash to a B plus in GPPs is because of the ownership.
ownership. He's going to be lower owned and ownership matters basically only in GPPs. Slight instances in cash where it's going to matter, but on the opposite side, if you don't play a guy that's 95% on the cash, you're probably taking on more of a risk there. Whereas in a GPP, it's a complete opposite. You're taking on a pretty nice advantage if that does not work out for you. But in this instance, lower owned Justin Herbert in a GPP makes him more appealing to me. That's why he gets the B plus ranking. Now, 23 and a half points. That's very good. And when you factor in with his stacking option, this one, Keenan Allen's more expensive now, finally $8,000. Mike Williams has been producing, scored a touchdown in that last game. You have Jalen Guyton who's running routes, just not producing and not getting separation. And really when all the offense is going towards one guy with a huge target share in Keenan Allen, it's very similar to what's happening last year in the Saints in New Orleans with Michael Thomas. This year, what's happening right now with Devontae Adams and the Packers, those secondary receivers, when somebody's seeing a 30 plus percent target share, like Adams, like Allen, like Michael Thomas last year, you're just not going to have these other options going off as consistently. So it's pretty interesting to see that Hunter Henry, the tight end, has seen in 80% of his games, at least six targets. And now in back-to-back games has scored a touchdown after going about a month, month and a half without scoring one. So Hunter Henry, Keenan Allen yet again, and Mike Williams always seems like a broken record with those stacks, but they're being undervalued here again. We like to target underdog quarterbacks in spots where they have a nice team total going up against a defense that secondary has been pretty suspect so far this season. And also we know that they're going to be passing a lot. You can check all of those boxes. Herbert's going to be passing a lot as a slight underdog with a nice team total here and has clear stacking options. He's our that one dude at the quarterback position. Now it does not mean go play Herbert in 100% of your lineups. It just means be aware that he has a lot of upside in GPPs due to his lower ownership. Again, I'd rather play Patrick Mahomes. I'd rather play Josh Allen. I think I can get difference within those lineups, but just be aware that Justin Herbert is going to be our that one dude this week because of how under-owned and under-respected really he's going to be in week 12. Next up, we move over to the running back position. I can see myself on my screen because I'm working off of one laptop instead of like two as I normally do in two other screens. And I usually have another light in front of me, which kind of cancels out the white light coming from both of my sides. But right now I can see it's kind of making me a little bit brighter or washing me out a little bit. So I apologize for that. You're not getting to see a sharper the haircut right now and in the face of mine right now. But don't worry, don't worry. You still get all the information smacked with you that you need to win the dollar ruski. So getting into the running back position now. Look, this running back, maybe uh, I'm recording this on Friday, like night, maybe that on Saturday morning, the ownership will start coming in more as people start to look into the slate more since Thanksgiving is over. But there is a couple of other running backs around our that one dude running back that's kind of pushing down his ownership right now in his price range. And that one dude is right now going to be the Patriots running back, which there's a bunch of them. Is it Damian Harris? Is it Rex Burkin? No, Rex Burkin is injured. It's not him. Is it Sony Michelle returning? No, 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 no. He's too washed for me. It's going to be James White at 4% owned. Now, James White's an interesting cat right now because James White this season, when Rex, Rex Burkett has been healthy, Damian Harris has been healthy, has basically done nothing for us. I mean, we've seen James White just turn into like a third or fourth overall running back for this Patriots team. I mean, let's just look at his usage from basically week seven to week 10. In week seven, he sees no carries. He ends up just catching one pass for three yards, 1.3 fantasy points. The week after that, just two carries and two carries and then zero carries. This man had four carries in a month of football. He ended up during that time running only, only 30 routes and he ends up catching six passes. So not a lot of usage at all. I mean, he totaled during that time, like 16 total fantasy points in a month, like four fantasy points per week. But week 11 was when he got to pop off a little bit. Week 11 was when he played his season high in snaps because Rex Burke had got injured. Game environment definitely helped get James White on the field more because they were trailing basically the whole game for the most part to the Houston Texans. And then Rex Burke had got injured, which allowed James White to step on the field more. James White in week 11 against Houston, 59.4% of the snaps. Again, a season high, five carries, ties a season high, 18 routes run, second most on the year. He catches six of nine targets for 83 yards and 14.3 fantasy points. It was his second best performance on the year. Only better week was when he also saw nine targets, but caught eight passes for 73 yards. So he ended up having a couple of extra receptions in that one against Denver week six. So basically what you saw was rivaling his best performance of the season right here was James White in week 11 against Houston. And now with Rex Burkhead out, as you can see some of the stuff coming up with some of the information we put on the screen here on the video version, if you're listening on the podcast, now with Rex Burkhead out for the earth and ACL, you're going to have a very nice situation for James Late. And probably Damian Harris as well in this matchup because the Patriots have a positive 84% run blocking advantage this week in the second best run blocking unit in the NFL against the Cardinals 30th ranked run defense and 21st ranked tackling defense right now. Now the Cardinals ranked 23rd in opponent rushing 
yards allowed with 124.7 per game. 23rd means that they're actually bottom 10 and borderline bottom eight in the NFL to this point. Now let's look at the running back snap shares from last week. Harris played about 58% of the snaps and he had White playing 59. So they're on the field together at some point. Earlier on, it was Harris. He had the rushing touchdown. It was him getting involved. And then they kind of just took him off of the field and then they got behind. So it was more of James White coming in, had the big reception game with 12.4 fantasy points in the receiving game alone. Now, so far in the season, Harris is averaging 14 carries per game. Now, so far in the season, James White has 41 targets overall. That's ninth in the NFL and 33 receptions is seventh. Those numbers are for amongst running backs. So he's a top 10 pass catching running back, still borderline top five. And this is with him being kind of like a, a 1A, 1B passing option in this offense out of the backfield with Rex Burkhead. It's nice to see that he has a 19.2% target share, second highest of any running back, only to Alvin Kamara. And now he's going to get to exploit that even more with no Rex Burkhead. 8.1 yards per reception is ninth amongst all running backs as well. And as I put right now, some of my tools over on Patreon on the screen, just a piece of them, which you can see right here is that James White for me, he's actually, you don't, you can't see this, but I'll let you know. He's my second overall value point per dollar running back. Now, obviously that's not taking into account ownership. That's not taking into account overall points upside. Well, it takes into account overall points upside, but it doesn't weight it as heavily. It's just saying straight up for the price point that he's at, this is the point per dollar value at 2.78 projected for 12 and a half fantasy points. I'm projecting for a pretty nice snap and opportunity split with Damian Harris in this matchup. A little bit of Sony Michelle potentially, but you're getting a B in cash and a B in GPPs. It's very close to a B plus in GPPs for me, but James White is still going to be game flow dependent. So he's not going to be that shining B plus. Meaning that if New England is going to get ahead by 10 or 15 in this one, 10 or 14 in this one, you're going to have a spot where Damian Harris likely sees all the work. And then you don't have as many routes run, as many targets, and probably just three or four carries for James White. But in a neutral game script, I would expect four to six carries for James White. And I would expect probably somewhere between six and eight targets for him, which boosts up his opportunity. Obviously the touchdown would take him over the top. So James White is our that one dude for week 12 at the running back position projected for 12 and a half fantasy points right now. Next up, we move over to the wide receiver position this week, where I'm going to be going over a top end wide receiver that is not picking up ownership. There's a lot of guys up here who I like a lot this week. I mean, you want to put Hopkins in your stacks, you can. I think Stefan Diggs looks like the best one off and also in a stack with Josh Allen because of that game environment and their team total approaching 30. Best wide receiver play maybe just to pay up for on the entire slate this week. But you still have some other guys up there, whether it's Keenan Allen and stacks with Herbert, whether it's getting to Julio Jones. The guy that I'm going to be getting to this week is somebody who's coming off of dealing with an injury, but has been putting up solid production basically week in and week out at this point. You're getting a fair price point this week. And based on my model right now, based on my ownership projections, I'm getting Calvin Ridley or that one due to the wide receiver position projecting out for single digit ownership. Now, maybe this hits 10%, got him at about seven or 8% right now. But that's just going to be way too low for me for somebody who I think has some ultimate leverage on this slate against a brutal and a terrible Las Vegas Raiders secondary. So let's just break down into some of the stuff on Calvin Ridley right now, outside of just that low ownership projection. And I mean, this is where we're trying to win the dollar rooskies. Am I right? Trying to hit on these wide receivers who are just going to go absolutely berserk because they have such a high variance difference maker. These wide receivers, like we've seen with Devontae Adams, like we've seen Julio Jones this year, DeAndre Hopkins can just drop 40 points and they can do it honestly on two or three plays with some long touchdowns. Now, this secondary right now for Vegas is not good. They're 31st overall in pass rush. So no pressure giving Matt Ryan, who when he does not face pressure is a much better quarterback a lot of time. And they're in 26 in overall coverage, allowing the 28th most, so bottom five in the NFL, opponents passing yards per game with 273.6 per game. The defensive line only getting a 26% pressure rating, which is 27th in the NFL. By all accounts, Matt Ryan will have time to throw and have time to throw downfield in this one with success. Now, Julio Jones is going to be questionable for this game. It seems like he's trending towards practicing though, but just keep a close eye on that. If he is out, I think it hurts the overall offense's efficiency, but the individual numbers of Calvin Ridley, I don't think it will hurt. If anything, it might increase his overall target share from the game from maybe 25 to 30% to 30 to 35 to 40% in this game, actually with no Julio out there. Now for Ridley himself, we can put it up on the screen right now, a positive 47% matchup against Trevion Mullins. And look, he's been bad since I think he was a rookie last year. Since he's kind of come into this league right now, he's been bad. And it's going to be a top five matchup on the entire weekend for Calvin Ridley against this Vegas secondary. But more importantly, his one-on-one -on -one matchup against Mullen. He'll probably also see on the opposite side some Arnetti. I believe it's 
it's Damon Armetti, the mom, Armetti, 66% positive matchup for Julio if he's ready to go. So huge potential spot here for these Atlanta outside receivers and maybe even a stack of Atlanta, which is not going to be all that highly owned. Probably pretty similar to these Justin Herbert stacks, if not lower owned at this point, just more expensive to fit in their top end receivers, which makes it a little bit less appealing. And then you have Waller as the main run back on the opposite side or Josh Jacobs, who are also expensive. So it's an expensive stack that does not have a mobile quarterback, which makes me a little bit weary, but again, still a very good spot for Matt Ryan and these pass catchers from Atlanta. Now a 22.6% target share is 19th in the NFL for Ridley and a 30% red zone target share is top five right now in the NFL. He's first in air yards. So you like to see this. He's being used in the red zone 30% of the time on this offense. And he's also number one in the NFL in air yards with over 1100 to this point, seeing all of those high upside targets and usage and volume with 22 deep shots. That is 20 plus yard targets downfield. He is first in the NFL there fifth in the NFL with red zone targets with 13 so far this season, averaging 17.8 fantasy points per game. Also top eight at the position. He's an efficient wide receiver in terms of yards per outrun ranking 10th overall in a week 11 in what is considered a bad week after him coming back from injury, five catches, 90 yards on nine targets. So he still got the volume, just didn't find the end zone, didn't get the bonus there, but 14 fantasy points in a bad week for Calvin Ridley is something that I'm willing to go uh, to the bank for at this low ownership number. Now let's just look at what Calvin Ridley's done this season. 34 fantasy points, 30 fantasy points, 17, and he gets goose egged by Jair Alexander in week four against the Packers on 69% of the snaps. He scores zero points, but look, that's not on him. He only had five targets in the game, one red zone target. He was overthrown on what would have probably been a 50 yard touchdown who was underthrown, right? It was underthrown to him on that. So right there, that would have been a decent game for him. Double digit fantasy points overthrown on another 30 yard pass by Matt Ryan. And then he was left wide open in the end zone and just not seen by Matt Ryan. So he actually was getting separation against Jair. And don't get me wrong. Jair has been very, very good this year, but he was getting separation in winning that matchup. Then he comes out the next week, 22, 19, 18 fantasy points, gets hurt week eight. So he can't hold that against him. And then again, his worst game on the season outside of that goose egg with the Packers, 14 fantasy points last week on hundred percent of the snaps. First time playing hundred percent of the snaps this season for Calvin Ridley. So I like the spot a lot for Ridley at lower ownership. I think you can expect a nice turnout for him. You can see right now in my projections on Patreon, as I throw them up on the screen, I currently have Calvin Ridley projected for 18.4 fantasy points. Right now, it's going to make him a B plus in cash and a B plus currently in a GPP at just 8%, around 8% projected ownership. He's our that one dude at the wide receiver position, Calvin Ridley for the Atlanta Falcons in week 12. Next up at the tight end position, we're going to have a look, a position this week that is just dominated by two names, Travis Kelsey and Darren Waller. I don't even have anybody else looking even close to those guys right now in my Patreon projections. Nobody's even within like six fantasy points of Kelsey, like five fantasy points of Waller at this point. Those two guys are the clear cut options, but it's a bigger slate. It's not the Thanksgiving slate where you had two games, four quarterbacks in the Sean Watson. For me in the Patreon Closing Thoughts podcast we talked about was a clear 100% play, stack them up 100% of your lineups. Now, although these tight ends look fantastic, they can flop. And although Travis Kelsey has been anything but a flop in really almost any of his games this year, they can definitely flop and not get you what you want out there. So we're not going to be playing 100% of them. So although I think they make up 50% of the ownership. I think they might make up like 60% of my lineups. We have to piece together those other spots in our lineups at tight end where we're not going to be paying up. If you want to play the expensive running back in Dalvin Cook, or you want to play an expensive stack like the Chiefs this week, right? If you want to do something like that, uh, you might have to get away from these tight ends. And interesting to get away from the tight ends playing the Chiefs, but you could. You can go to two wide receivers with Patrick Mahomes, but you just might have to do that because these tight ends are expensive and then you can't pay up at other positions in a week where it looks very beneficial to pay up at the quarterback position. Naturally, then you'll probably pay up at least one of your wide receiver positions as well. So the goal here is to not find you the guy who's going to score the most points in the slate because I mean that'd be great if we did so but just a guy who had a cheaper price point will match the value that those higher priced and probably higher scoring tight ends in Kelsey and Waller are going to do so who is that this week for me well it's going to be a man named Jordan Reed who has a somewhat limited sample this year but when he's actually been able to play two to two and a half games he's been great for you out there now Jordan Reed we could start by putting up some of the stuff on the screen right now about Jordan Reed and what he's done so far this season Jordan Reed in some quick stats on the screen has had a positive or we will have a positive eight percent matchup against Young this upcoming week should be a really nice spot for him he's seen a 50 
15% target share when healthy on five targets per game. 54% of his snaps are out of the slot, which is very good to see. And he's number five out of all tight ends in yards per outrun, meaning he's been a very efficient tight end so far this season. Now, what do I like to see out of Jordan Reed? Well, let's just look at his game logs, right? Basically, once you had George Kittle go down is when Jordan Reed started to play a little bit more. Now, George Kittle was hurt a lot of spots here and there. Now he's done for the season. Week two, yeah, that first week for Jordan Reed to actually play. Plays 46% of the snaps, runs 18 routes, catches seven of eight targets, three of which were red zone targets, 50 yards and two touchdowns. He ends up scoring 24 fantasy points, his best game of the year so far. But then he comes out in week three and he gets hurt. He runs just 13 routes. He gets hurt like on the first drive of the game, ends up having two catches, 23 yards on six targets. So six targets, still very good. Only scores 4.3 fantasy points, but he left the game, misses a quarter, then he got pulled out of the game late. So that game he was banged up, does not come back until week nine against the Packers where he was limited. He was an emergency time. Ross Duelli was starting over him. You could see it based on the fact that he only ran six routes, caught one pass for three yards. So that brings us to week 10 with the bye week after week 11 to week 10, where you see Jordan Reed coming out and playing a normal role. Finally, since week two, week two is the only game where he was fully healthy and played. He scored 24 fantasy points. So a very small sample. So what is he going to do in week 10? Well, let's wait and see what happens. Well, week 10, he comes out, he plays 44% of the snaps, runs a season high 21 routes, catches five of six passes for 62 yards. Doesn't have a touchdown there, but still scores 11.2 fantasy points. Pretty crazy that in week two, he scored 24 fantasy points and he was the tight end five. And in week 10, he scored 11 fantasy points, less than half what he did in week two. And he was still the tight end five. That's how bad this tight end position has gotten to be. So yes, if you are looking for a cheaper tight end or just a tight end that you don't want to pay up for, and honestly, he would be somewhat of a punt option at $3,600, a very cheap option. He's going to be right now coming in at 3% ownership, maybe. Although in his two healthy starts, he's been very effective out there. If you get double digit fantasy points from him. I've been projected, as you can see right now on Patreon for 8.2 fantasy points. I've been projected for about three or 4% ownership, a B minus in cash. If you want to punt it and a B in GPPs, because look, if Jordan Reed finds the end zone, he's probably scoring 15 to 20 fantasy points for you. Based on how often he is being targeted on his routes run so far this season, right now he has a number 12 overall target rate against tight ends. And keep in mind, he's left a couple of these games early. So that's getting skewed. He's actually probably closer to number seven or number eight, meaning that when he runs a route, he's being targeted 38% of the time. That is absolutely insane. Almost two out of every five passes are going to Jordan Reed when he's running routes out there for the San Francisco 49ers. And it's very good to see. So Jordan Reed at a low price point and low ownership, but definitely has the upside to score double digit and even 20 fantasy points if he finds the end zone is our that one dude at the tight end position this week. Now we have a bunch of different punt options and I'll kind of break down into them, each of them a little bit here. They're going to all be wide receivers and they're all going to be cheap options. Some of which are going to pick up ownership and some of which are probably not going to pick up ownership. Now the first one is going to be Gabriel Davis, who I do think probably honestly picks up maybe 15 plus percent ownership. He's the minimum price $3,000 and John Brown just got ruled out. He's probably going to see a decent matchup against Carlton Davis. Carlton Davis has been good this year. Carlton Davis has honestly at points been fantastic this year, but he has had his blunders like that last game out you saw. So it'll be a nice matchup. Davis allows 1.13 yards per cover out so far this season. And what you're getting out of Gabriel Davis is it's kind of wishy-washy. The fact that he's actually going to be higher on leads me to actually get away from him more times than not. The reason I bring him up in the punt section is because he is definitely cheap, especially if you're trying to play cash, but as a GPP show, he might actually be a decent pivot away from option. If you want to just put him in your Buffalo stacks, that's fine. Get different elsewhere. I don't think he'll be 30 or 40% owned. Maybe he'll be 15% on. That's not that crazy. But this is a similar situation to what we were saying earlier on. Like if you have a wide receiver in an offense like Steph Diggs taking on a 30% target share, basically leading the league in like receiving yards and targets to this point in the season, you're not going to have a lot left over on the bone for some other wide receivers. And you also have a strong secondary option at wide receiver and Cole Beasley still there. So if you have a guy in Gabriel Davis, who yes, in week five, I admit it, he had five catches, 58 yards on nine targets, two red zone targets. He was used heavily. Outside of that though, even in spots where John Brown has been hurt, not that many usage out of Gabriel Davis. You're getting Isaiah McKenzie scoring these weird touchdowns, right? Tight end, Zach Moss on the goal line getting a lot more work, right? In week six, you only had one target. In week seven, just three targets on 47 routes run, right? In week eight and week nine, he's kind of getting a little bit less used in the offense. And then in week 10, after John Brown gets hurt, he runs 25 routes. That's a lot of routes. Only sees three targets, catches none of them. So if 
if he is indeed going to be this highly owned, although he's on this section in a punt play, just be very cautious of it. I personally will be leaning to fade him unless I'm putting him in a stack because I know that my stack will get me a little bit more unique. Now, when he has at least ran 25 or more routes this year, he has been pretty effective. Week three, he goes over 12 fantasy points running 27 routes. Week five, he scores over 10 running 46 routes. In week seven, he runs 47 routes. That was his bad game, a goose egg after he was picking up a decent amount of ownership when John Brown was hurt, getting just two fantasy points on three targets. And this past week, he runs 25 routes and puts up a goose egg. So it's been hit or miss for him right now. He's going to project that on almost everybody's projections based on his volumes, routes run, and how much we project in this offense projected for almost 30 overall implied points to score this week. So you can see right now, if I actually factor this by value on my Patreon projections, Gabe Davis is going to be my number one value play. At $3,000 flat, I have him projected for 11 fantasy points. I have him as a B in cash as a punt option. I have him as a B in GPPs as a punt option because I think he'll probably come in around 12 to 15% owned. So that's our first punt option, but there's going to be other options as well. And a couple of them are going to be coming from Jacksonville. Right now in Jacksonville, you're going to have no DJ Shark. This is as of my recording, no DJ Shark and no Chris Conley playing in this game. So LaVisca Chenault is expected to return. Keelan Cole, their kickoff returner, punt returner, and also the slot man is going to be active. And it seems like Colin Johnson, the rookie, is going to be the third wide receiver and three wide receiver sets. And to make matters potentially even worse, or maybe better, based on Jake Luton not looking that great, is Mike Glennon is going to start in this game. And he's already said to be quoted that he's just going to let this thing rip and let it rip downfield because he's got nothing to lose. He might not ever start again. That was literally his quote. So what you're going to be getting then is a $3,300 LaVisca Chenault. I projected out right now, you can see on the screen for 11 and a half fantasy points. Keelan Cole, his teammate, 11.8 fantasy points for $3,600. These guys are not the best or the better point per dollar plays than Gabriel Davis, but they're very close. Chenault is my number two point per dollar wide receiver. You have Keelan Cole as my number three. And then my number four point per dollar wide receiver is actually going to be Richie James. No Brandon Ayuk, no George Kittle. We do like Jordan Reed. We like Debo Samuel to an extent, but we'll probably see some shadow matchup against Jalen Ramsey. I think we will see a decent amount of touches out of the slot, Debo Samuel, but not enough to really hit a ceiling. Whereas Richie James, I think can actually maybe hit a little bit of a ceiling there. Either way, at his cheap price point of $3,500, I haven't projected for 10.8 fantasy points. So what this is all to say is, look, I have in this price range, Gabriel Davis is the cheapest. That's why he'll pick up the most ownership. But for a couple hundred more dollars, I have LaVisca Chenault, I have Richie James, and I have Keelan Cole projecting for similar or even more fantasy points than Gabriel Davis. And if they're only going to be half or a third of the ownership, I'd rather just pivot there for similar upside, in my opinion. So outside of Buffalo stacks, I'm not going to be playing Gabriel Davis this week. If I'm not playing a Buffalo stack or a Charger stack, there's a really good chance I'm probably not going to be playing Gabriel Davis, or I'm going to actively be trying to avoid him in my lineups and maybe just build totally different lineups that don't punt the wide receiver at all, or just build different lineups that are going to be punting with maybe a Denzel Mims at 3,500, a Jakeem Grant at 3,700, or one of those wide receivers that we just talked about. Thank you so much for tuning into the week 12 That One Dude video. This is going to be going up on Saturday morning. And just a reminder that there'll be no Sunday live stream. There'll be a Sunday Closing Thoughts podcast on Patreon that we do every single week discussing the best way to leverage your lineups, best way to build GPP lineups, uh, optimizers, groups, rules, stacking the most optimal stacks, the ones that have the best chance to pay off for you, and the best way to take advantage of what your opponents are going to be messing up on, leverage their weaknesses, and win all the dollar ruskies. So thank you so much for tuning in. That is our That One Dude at the quarterback, running back, wide receiver, tight end, and a couple of punt wide receivers this week for week 12. I appreciate you all in advance. Please do hit the like and subscribe before you go. Also check out the Patreon link down below. You have all the information that we just talked about and even more for every single player. Patreon.com backslash Sal underscore Vetri underscore. Peace out everybody. And I'll see you on Monday will be our next live stream on Monday night for the Monday night football game. And also Monday morning will be a showdown video for that. Peace out and enjoy the rest of your weekend.